You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here again on Sunday morning for our Reality Honolulu Digital House Church Gathering. Uh, a quick note prior to getting into our the Word of God this morning is that because we aren't meeting in person yet, uh, it's super important that you are connected digitally to the life of the church as much as possible. And also, we know that there's those that have started coming during this COVID season or right before, which we're so stoked about, but we want to make sure that you are plugged in as much as you can to feel like you're a part of it. This is your family and you're not, you know, you don't follow through the cracks or get, um, are not, are not aware of what's happening in the life of the church. And so there's a few ways we highly encourage you to do so. Number one is... If you aren't already signed up for our weekly email newsletter uh, that we send out at the beginning of the week, has the sermon for that week and just kind of all the important details, whether it's of prayer meetings or Ohana groups or service opportunity or just ways that you can receive prayer, all of that, I uh, want to make sure you subscribe and you're on the list so that when it gets sent out, you get it in your email box. Um, and then also... We live in this world of social media, and I understand that there's complexities and hardships and there's a lot of not good part of that, but that is the world we live in now, and we do communicate quite a bit on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, and so I want to make sure you guys are following those as well as subscribing just so that you are aware as we put out things that you are in the know and you get that as well. And all of this can be found at realityhonolulu.com. It's our website, kind of a one-stop shop for ways to get connected and get plugged in. And so please go visit that on follow all our stuff and subscribe to all our stuff just so you feel like you totally know what's happening. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into the Word of God this morning and study it. Today, we are moving away through it, ending chapter 9 of the book of Acts. We'll be reading Acts 9, 32 through 43. And uh, go ahead and read along, me, read along with me if you're able to. Grab your Bibles. I'll be reading out of the NIV translation. And it goes like this. Acts 9, 32 through 43. As Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydia, where he found a man named Ananias, Ananias, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Ananias, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Ananias got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, or in Greek her name was Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. But about, the time, but about that time, she became sick and she died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. 
Peter went with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying, and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees, and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became well known over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, thank you that in your word we find hope. We find hope that you care for us and that you love us. That hope is an anchor to our soul. And as the psalmist says, I pray that your word be written on the tablet of our hearts, that we would remember your promises, your character, and your goodness. And as we navigate so much pain, hardship, and difficulties in our world today, we ask and give you full permission to speak to us as you see fit. We want all that you have for us. Pray that your will would be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, what a passage, right? I mean, as you notice, Luke, our author here that's writing Acts, he actually jumps back and he now focuses our attention on Peter. And for a few chapters here, Luke hasn't mentioned and told us about Peter. Uh, it's mostly been about Stephen and Philip and how the Lord's used them to spread the gospel despite persecution. And for the last few weeks, Luke has honed in on Paul, the apostle's introduction to the Christian faith. But we haven't seen Peter since the end of five and the beginning of chapter six of Acts. It's been a little while. But nonetheless, we read here that throughout all that's been going on and this persecution and the church being spread out all over, that Peter is rolling with the punches, excuse me, rolling with the punches um, of the church being scattered, and he's continuing to travel around the country. It says to see the Lord's people. If you remember, fierce persecution spread out the church outside of Jerusalem where they had started just a few, you know, short time before. Now they're scattered over Israel and Judea and Samaria and Peter is making his way around and he's caring, he's, look, he's, he's tending to the Lord's people. And uh, it's very shepherd-like and pastoral of him to do so. And he's checking on them and most likely he's making sure that they're okay because of persecution. And he's most likely encouraging them and sharing Jesus as he went. And then Luke chooses to share a few specific, specific excuse me, uh, stories with a common theme. And it's the healing of a paralyzed and bedridden man named Ananias. And it's the raising of a, uh, from the dead of a woman named Tabitha, or in Greek, Dorcas. These accounts are incredible, right? We see that God uses Peter 
as his instrument to heal and give life physically, right? A paralyzed man walks and a dead woman lives. I mean, this is a real deal. Like, this is incredible. God is on the move. The kingdom of God is at hand. And if, but if we read the accounts of the Gospels, right, if we examine the ministry of Jesus, and if we even take a brief look at the book of Acts, we won't be surprised by this. We'll actually see that this was very normal and something that was commonly, commonly seen with Jesus and with his apostles. Like this would happen. This was very normalized back then. It wasn't so much of a big deal, but it was something that very much was part of the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the apostles. And the primary purpose, right, outside of extending mercy and grace to these people that were specifically hurting or in pain, was so that each of these miraculous healings could be a sign and a testimony to the power, person, and glory of God. That's the key. See, it wasn't merely for people to ooh and awe over like, oh, wow, or for any silly or contrite reason. But throughout the life of Jesus and the ministry of the Acts of the Apostles, each time that these signs were performed, they were almost always accompanied by salvation, by belief, by conversion. Right? All of this and all of the healings and the restoration and the casting out of demons and the feeding of the 5,000 and you name all the miracles and the signs and wonders and healings of Jesus and the apostles, all of it was meant to point to Jesus being the Son of God and it was to point to the mercy, power, and authority of God over sickness and over disease and over death. And we see this here with Tabitha, right? We see God's power through Peter. He prayed and God brought her back from the dead. It's incredible. And so the question that we, that we you know, have to ask ourselves when we see these miracles, when we see that people believe because of them, when we see healings, when we see people raising from the dead, the question we may be asking is, does this still happen? Does God still heal in this way? Does God raise people from the dead? We see it in the word of God, but does it happen today? And the reason why <coughs> this question is so relevant is obviously because we're in the middle of a global pandemic where many are sick and dying. And this answer deserves much more than the few minutes that I will give it. But looking at the text and the greater narrative of the New Testament, I will say this. I've got a few points, so if you're taking notes, as always, here they are. Number one, from our text and from the greater narrative of Scripture, we do see that God is a healer. Number one, God is a healer. That is part of who he is and his character. Right? God has many names he goes by in the Bible. And each name reveals a certain aspect of his character. 
and Jehovah Rapha is one such name found in the Old Testament, and it means the God who heals in Hebrew. Part of his character and his nature is that he desires wholeness, health for humanity and for humanity not to be in pain. That was always his plan. But sin, right, has caused disease and death to enter into the world. And we're still feeling those effects in really profound and hard ways. But what we see through and in the person of Jesus is that he has the authority over every sickness, over every disease, and even death itself. And right, we see this most potently and most vividly with Christ's own resurrection, physical, bodily resurrection from the grave, from the dead, that he himself defeated sin, death, and the devil. We have that hope now, that we too will have eternal life, victory over death. But right, we see from Scripture that God is a healer and he has authority over every sickness, over disease, and even over death itself. It's important that we remember that God is a healer when we ask this type of question, does God heal today? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is a healer. He was a healer then, he is a healer now. But number two, number two point. God's word, not only does he tell us that God is a healer, but God's word tells us to ask for healing. That's the second point. God's word tells us to ask for healing. Right? We see this throughout scripture, but, you know, one example would be as his disciples, the followers of Jesus were going out for one of the very first times. Jesus tells them this in Matthew 10 verse 8. He specifically says this, as my disciples, as my followers, to represent me well, do these things. He says this, Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, now freely give. Like that's his instructions. That was normative. That was normal. Disciple, do this. Follower of Jesus, go for it. In faith, by my power, for my glory, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out the demons. This is what he said to them. We also see in the New Testament examples like James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. tells us to, when someone's sick, to pray over them so that they would be made well. This should be part, a normal part of what a church should do is that we should lay hands on, we should pray for those that are sick to receive healing. Um, we have that instruction there in James 5. We also see Paul speak of this as a spiritual gift. Right? We have the Holy Spirit in us. Um, the Holy Spirit bears the fruit of the Spirit in our life, but he also gives us gifts to exercise, spiritual gifts. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit uses us or gifts us is the ability to have God heal through us. And in that list there, it says that one of the gifts of the Spirit is healing. 
Um, again, there's more verses and circumstances of this, but I would suggest the case is very strong that God heals and that followers of Jesus are a part of seeing that healing come. So again, I, I think God is a healer by nature. That's what he does. But I also believe that he asks us to be involved in that. He asks us to ask him for it, to see that it comes about, physical healing. And lastly, we need to know, we need to, to, to live out of and believe that God is sovereign. He's in control of all this. And so the question is, does this happen today? Do people, are people physically healed in this way or in similar ways? I would say yes and no. Here's what I mean. Um, I have tons of personal experiences of seeing this type of, of thing happen. Like amazing healings. Like seeing people's arms that didn't move, we lay hands on them and then they move. Uh, people's that backs that couldn't straighten, praying for them and now they're straightened. Tumors that the children have that they're going to operate that we pray and when they finally go in, after, after many scans, they go in and the tumor's gone. Right? There's, there's, there's countless stories that I have, that you have, that we have of God doing this. And I have no doubt, and I'm the first to believe that God still miraculously heals today. Absolutely. I've seen it. I'll testify it. And, and I'll make that case. Absolutely. Now, I, I won't speak to raising from the dead. I haven't seen that myself. I, I have heard whispers of that here and there. Again, I've never experienced it myself. Do I believe that God can do it? Absolutely. He did it himself. You see it in the word of God. Do I believe he can? Absolutely. But this is, this is why I say yes and no. It's, be, it's because I believe God can physically miraculously heal. But, and, and then he asks us to. I believe he can and he asks us to. But the reality is that sometimes in this life, he does heal and sometimes he doesn't heal. We all have experienced that as well. God, we've seen God miraculously heal for most of us. For all of us, we've seen God not heal. We've prayed, we've asked, and God hasn't. That said, it isn't a question of God's ability if he can miraculously heal. I hope that's settled. But as hard as it is to process and live with, Sometimes it's just not in God's will to heal in this life. It's just not. Um, I wish I hadn't, but I've walked with dear friends that have lost kids to cancer. I haven't, but I've had dear friends and family friends that have. And this is a really extremely difficult to come to grips with. When you believe God can heal and he asks us to, and you do, but then he doesn't. Right? In the case for me, especially when there was no question of a lack of prayer or a lack of faith, I mean, we did everything tenfold that God asked. But God just didn't choose to heal them in this world. It just wasn't his will. 
And I know firsthand that's a really hard thing to understand and live with and trust God with. I've, I've seen one of my best friends go through that with his daughter. But I want to encourage you, as heavy as that is, I want to encourage you with this. That God's ultimate desire is to be with us. For Him to know us and us to know Him. This life here on earth is temporary. It's fleeting. It's like a vapor. It's like a mist, the Bible would tell us. And as Paul would put it later in his letter to the Philippian church, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, he would remind us that for Christians, that our true citizenship is in heaven. That heaven is our intended and our real home, and we're just passing through in this earthly life. But this isn't the destination. This isn't all that there is. This is actually a very small temporal part. We have eternity with Christ to look forward to. But for Christians, I want to remind us that God always does heal. But it comes down to a matter of timing. Right, It will either be here now on earth, we pray for someone, they're healed, or it will be when we all receive glorified bodies, when we see Jesus face to face. Right, Sometimes God chooses to heal now, and sometimes he doesn't. But ultimately, what we have to look forward to is that whether he heals now, or not, we all will ultimately receive glorified, healed, and perfect bodies when we see him face to face. And it's helpful to remember that that is heaven's reality. Right? When we look forward, the hope that we have because of what the word of God tells us in Revelation chapter 21 is that there will be one day Guys, grasp this. We all need to hear this. One day, what we have to look forward to, this is the gospel. One day, there'll be no pain, no tears, no death, no disease. That's what we have to look forward to. That's, for those of us that know Christ, we have hope and comfort in that. But I want to leave you with this. We live in this tension here in this broken world. And we've talked about this before previously and recently in our sermons about the kingdom of God, right? But the kingdom of God, which is God's rule and his reign and heavenly realities, has started and was ushered in with Christ. But heaven's complete and final reality is not fully here yet, and so here lies the tension, right? In this fallen and broken world, we do get to see glimpses of God's perfect world, right? Uh, like the story here in Acts of healing and rising from the dead and joy and no more pain and restoration and hope and healing and salvation. Like we get to see glimpses of God's perfect plan, but many other times we look around us 
And all we see is the brokenness that sin has created. See, we see God's kingdom has come, but it's not fully here. And that can be really hard to live in, especially right when, we, when we're praying for healing with someone we care about and love and when God doesn't heal, when God does heal. Like we live in this tension of the here but now yet. But Jesus does ask us to pray for heaven to come to earth, right? He says that in the Beatitudes. He says, this is the way you should pray, that my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to pray heaven down to earth. The things of heaven, the realities of heaven, the truth of who God is and his character and his goodness, we're supposed to pray that in. We see that Jesus did and he walked in that. He walked in that that kingdom reality. We see that with Peter. He's walking in it. He's praying in the kingdom and he's seeing people get healed and, and rise from the dead. And we ought to as well have great faith and pray big prayers for things like this. For God's kingdom to come on earth. And for us to see and experience these kingdom realities also. Like I want to fan the flame to that in our church, in our lives. Like to believe and expect that God's kingdom wants to come. Like that we would lay hands on people, that we would pray for people. And we could like big prayers. Like God, do this. Heal, set free, save, come. I want to fan that flame that we would be a people that have... They have huge faith because we have a huge God. Right? When we see brokenness around it, around us, let's boldly ask God to fix it. When we see pain and hurt, let's boldly ask God to heal it. Right? In full faith, let's believe that God can heal. God can raise from the dead and move any mountain. We should have the faith to believe all those things. Should. But in the same moment, let's trust that in whatever comes, whatever God does, whatever the outcome is, that it's his perfect will. And that's a tension. God, I believe you can do anything, but I trust that whatever you decide to do is the right thing. See that tension there. But I pray that we hold tight to the tension in that. God is able, but God is also in control. We pray big prayers, but we trust that whatever he chooses to do is his will. So church, let's pray that as we enter into this time of worship, as we enter into this week, as we look at the world around us, all the complexities, all the hardship, all that's going on, let's be a people that pray in and walk out kingdom realities. God's kingdom would come in Hawaii as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that we don't just have to wait for heaven, that everything's bad here and nothing's going to get better, but you care and you want to come and you want to show yourself great and mighty to the world by doing these kind of very things. We see in the text today that because of Ananias and Tabitha, because 
Ananias was healed and Tabitha raised from the dead, that people saw it and they were so in awe that they believed. They said, God did that. We pray that for our world, for our community, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, that, that as we live out our life for you, as we pray, as we expect you to do big things, and as you do those things, as you answer our prayers, that people would see you and glorify you. They would come to know you through it. They would believe. They would see how good a good God you are. So as we enter into this time of worship in our homes, as we gather communion elements and during this time of worship, as we break the bread and we drink the juice, that we would remember who you are and what you've done for us. We remember the cross. We remember you have victory over sin, death, and the devil, and that our hope is in you and our hope is an anchor to our soul. We love you, God. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.